Hello, and welcome to the Alternative Path with me, David Robson. This week, uh, this week was a, a really interesting episode. Um, I'd arranged to have a have a recording session with a a fantastic lady called Pablo Gariboli. Now, I was really excited about this uh, episode for a couple of different reasons. Now. Firstly, as a, as a youngster from the age of about four or five to 13, I was uh, raised up in Dubai in the Middle East. So talking to someone who now works there in the education sector was something that really excited me. Secondly, um, on my kind of um, pre-screening call, if you like, with, with Pabla, I instantly noticed and got excited about Pabla's kind of views on um, inclusion, how we should be engaging with with young learners and also I could tell that there was something about Pavla that made, made me want to talk about things and made me want to go into some real detail so I was really really excited to record the um, episode with Pavla. I hadn't anticipated it going the way it went in terms of becoming a bit of an insight as to my journey through education but I'm quite proud of that and I'm quite quite happy to, to share that because you know it's it's a massive massive part of why I feel so passionate about all things special education and alternative provision and in, um, intervention work within within mainstream you know it, it's something that really 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 does kind of um, hold a place that I feel really strongly about so without further ado I'm going to introduce you to a fantastic lady Pavla, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Let's start by a bit of an introduction about who you are and what you're about. Where do I start and how long have you got? <laughs> this is the question, <laughs> I think. So um, obviously my accent says it all. I was not originally from the UK. I was born in Czech Republic and that's where I actually embarked on my passion for teaching. But saying that, I think I didn't tell you this before, I was running away from teaching. So I obviously qualified in Czech Republic as the earliest teacher. And then I wanted to become a lawyer and journalist and I didn't get in. And my dad at the time, headmaster in a big village school, told me, why don't you just come for a gap year and then try again? And um, the rest is history. So since then, I, I really um, moved away into the teaching and just quickly tell you, I was teaching actually um, at his school English and I was very new to that language because obviously in Old Czech Republic, we were under the different regime and only at the age of 16, I was allowed to learn a new language. So I was only just about three years into the language and taught these 10, 11 year olds English through art and it worked and it was beautiful. So um, cut the story short, went to university, um, decided that um, Czech university is not for me. I didn't feel that that's, this is the direction I would like to go in terms of teaching and learning. And just said to my dad, look, I just don't belong. I need to go, I need to go somewhere else. England was the easiest country to go to. And I never came back. And since then, I've obviously moved to um, Middle East. So I've stayed a couple of, well, how many years? About 15 years in the UK. And then afterwards, um, we have moved to Middle East for um, work opportunity. It was not for me. It was not for me. It was for my, uh, for my husband. So here we are in a different country that I've never researched, got on a plane, took two children, off we went. Let's go. Sometimes I think that I'm a... I'm a massive believer in jumping into things like 
just head first and then just make making it work. I think sometimes we can like really overanalyze things and look at pros and cons and actually like just just get involved and, and make it work. I'm a, I'm a massive believer in that. And I've done that in lots of things through and sometimes my wife's frustration and from a work point of view, you know, like I, I can absolutely relate to that. So an interesting, obviously, kind of story and something that really jumped out there is teaching English three years into learning English is pretty, um, a pretty kind of fantastic, very fast track. Yeah, a very fast track. Um, and I think, you know, that's, yeah, credit, credit to you. So then obviously you moved to, um, you moved to Dubai, um, settled in, settled in Dubai, been there for quite a while now. Something we, I know we had a conversation previously and I obviously you could tell straight away that your passion for education and pa passion for everybody getting an education is something that really, really jumped out. So a topic that I want to go straight into is because of a conversation we had and I made a comment about myself in education and how, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't settle in education. You know, it wasn't, wasn't for me. And there was probably a part of me that going through, going through school. And I think there's probably a lot of people that can relate to this is that oh, I don't want to use the term stupid but as a child that's probably what I felt I got frustrated because I couldn't grasp things and the way it was delivered I just didn't get it and I know that instantly kind of sparked something in, in yourself didn't it about talking about that so just based on that comment what's your and this is like a really open question so I'm excited to see where it can go so what's your view so me as a as a child growing through school not so much in primary school but in secondary school I instantly got frustrated and caused a few problems for myself and others around because I couldn't grasp things and, 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 I, and I'm, I'm happy to admit that now because I've kind of moved, moved forward but what, what would your kind of thoughts on that 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 be? Well thank you for being honest because it's not always uh, easy to um, come into terms with the past so yes you probably had some behavioral challenges to kind of you know make the understanding what has been forced down on you um, it's actually a really interesting question because I have got um, children in secondary schools, well, one um, in a university, and I look at the secondary school and I look down the line um, into the early years, and I think secondary teachers got lots to learn from the early years teachers because, look, you know, if I was to be your teacher, I need to get to know you, I need to know who you are, how do you uh, work, how do you think, what interests you? Um, what would you like to learn and just take it from there and that is something that I really do believe that early years teachers do really really well and I think that needs, that element really needs to um, you know move into the secondary um, education because let's face it you know it's not just the one topic and this is um, I'm here to teach you learn it come back to me and we will test you out on it not at all you know um, I was actually thinking quite a lot last time we um, we were talking, and the fact is that you actually told me that you left education feeling that you're not very academic. That is not quite um, you know nice statement, and I think that we need to do better. How do we do better? Because you know I just don't want to talk about it. I'll give you an example. So I would not classify myself particularly great in physics. However, I'm fascinated aeroplanes. I always look up uh, at the sky, completely, uh, you know, um, swamped by the idea. And would I ever say that I'm not really great at physics? No, I'm absolutely intrigued by physics and, you know, by the idea of force and how all of this comes up. So what I am trying to say is that 
I think we need to lose that perspective of, you know, not being good at something. I would love children to leave secondary schools, regardless of what those marks are going to be, and say, gosh, I love maths because it was so interesting and I really would like to learn some more. And who cares if I was not really particularly great at it in terms of testing, but I'm fascinated by it. So that learning has to carry on. And I don't know whether um, you agree with me, Dave, lots of children do leave secondary, okay? And they just don't want to carry on, do they? Because the education was not really there for them. It really didn't catch the essence of um, who they are as, um, as people. So I think that would be my advice, just to find out what ticks your box. Absolutely, it's something you just said on there about um, people in, uh, pupils in education leaving it and thinking yeah that was like regardless of taking kind of grades and results out of the equation like you just said to enjoy it like one of my things you know we I've got a six-year-old and like the, the the kind of work that they do even in primary school at six like they they they're like sponges they learn so much so quickly but like I've, I've said from day one of my of my son going to primary school as long as he comes home and he enjoys school I don't I say I don't I don't care what what he achieves because obviously I do but I don't I don't I don't like it's not something that I kind of worry about I don't think and go oh is he gonna is he gonna do really well because actually if he's enjoying it and I think about this now with with where I am with work I love what I do I love the sector ironically I didn't enjoy education but I love the work that I do now within the education sector which is quite a quite a strange one but as long as they enjoy it I massively believe that they will achieve their potential like and I believe that in 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 work and I think a lot of adults over the last eight months have probably stopped and gone right am I enjoying doing what I'm doing and if not this is like for me that was my case this is the time to go right time to time to reset time to go and I I'm loving doing what I do and then the results start to come because you enjoyed it. and that's exactly the same as a primary school secondary school so I completely completely agree and feel so strongly about when we're trying to do reading with our six-year-old that you want them to do it but I want them to enjoy it so I don't want to force things I don't want to um and I can um I feel like I'm probably talking a bit too much here but I think in my school life in my in my school life I don't I don't blame any teachers for 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 how I was at school because I I made it difficult for myself by the way I behaved for various various reasons but like you say if something just could have sparked inside me to go, do you know what? I enjoy this. I enjoy the way it's being delivered. I enjoy the topic. Then, yeah, it's um, an, an interesting one. So, yeah, I completely agree. I think to be able to get more and more pupils to enjoy their education experience would be great because, like, looking back, yeah, your parents always said, or my parents always said, like, make the most out of your school years because it goes so quick. And you, you don't appreciate that as a youngster, do you? And then as you get older, time just goes. And actually, secondary school is, if you just do um, year seven to GCSE, it's like four or five years. Like, it's it's no time, is it? It just, it gone. And then obviously sixth form if you choose that way. So, yeah, I completely, completely agree with that. So I will ask you, so what did you enjoy in secondary school? I enjoy. I enjoyed oh, so so socialising, being being a being a, a one. I I actually enjoyed maths. I I, I English was not a great one for me because I, I was I've never been diagnosed with dyslexia or anything. But I, my 
I was just at school a, a pupil that couldn't spell 20 years ago and that that was then even even now is you know something I do sort of battle with um, but maths was something I enjoyed PE I enjoyed something I don't really um, I've always been really entrepreneur entrepreneurial even as a youngster you know from like cleaning the cars of neighbors down the roads to earn money to think about making my own little business but I don't think that was ever brought out of me at school I don't think it was um I don't think yeah I don't think school champion for things like that maybe they do now I can't compare to now because I'm not in school but you look at how many entrepreneurs and massive business leaders that didn't do great in school but have gone on to create amazing amazing successes haven't they so yeah something probably looking back I wish that could have been brought out with me maybe a bit more something kind of from a more businessy kind of point of view but yeah that was that was that was my experience but um what would you like to see change or kind of what could what could we all do to to try and make it more enjoyable as we spoke we just need to get to know our children we really need to get to those people in front of us and forget about the outcomes for a while. Come on, you, you're a person. I need to understand you, who you are. And it takes a while, doesn't it? And I think um, we almost ask children to understand us as teachers, which is complete nonsense. Children are not there at school to understand teachers. Absolutely not. We are there to uh, really unpack their potential, as you said, their element, to really find their passion and just put it anywhere we possibly could. Um, so I think that interest of the child and understanding who are these people in front of us, and I'm a huge advocate um, of partnership, David, and unfortunately I still believe we're not getting it right because um, I don't know about you, when your um, little man went to school, how many conversations did you have with the classroom teacher? How many conversations did go around what your little man likes, um, what he doesn't like, what's your home environment, you know, what you would like to have in school? So when he walks into that classroom, there'll be something to hang on to. So partnership with parents is really big and it's not just only talking about, you know, um, how uh, children are doing at school academically. We just need to get to know each other as community, as people, because let me tell you, I used to talk to parents um, till, cows, uh, till cows will come home. I really did. And I used to ask them to come into the classroom and I used to ask them, just stay for as long as you need. Because through you, I understand your child and I understand how your family operates. So partnership is big um, in my view, definitely. And um, it's also kind of like really um, sells the vision of education because, you know, in early years in particular, you know, parents have got the expectation that every child has to come out with some sort of a product at the end of the day. So if there was a painting, oh, hang on a minute, why was my daughter not painting? And through those conversations, through that partnership that I just said, you know, through those dialogues that you have, they slowly understood it's not about the end product. Your daughter was not into painting. Well, she was building a tower over there and that was just so much more meaningful to her. So why would I be forcing her to come from that um, idea to do a painting just to kind of um, you know, tick the box? So yeah, gosh, but I've, I can obviously tell you more things that I think we need to do a little bit more. I think as teachers, we need to still get excited about what we do and I, I hear it all the time, David, here in Dubai, that I think the excitement has gone a little bit. 
Um, probably um, one reason could be there are lots of tapes at the moment um, put in front of the teachers and children and perhaps the teachers are not really in, you know, in line with that, but, but that spark has gone just um, last weekend, I was speaking to um, teachers from Ireland and I said, so how does it compare in Ireland and over here? And they were saying, well, I just think it's bonkers. It's just so much paperwork. I don't actually enjoy teaching anymore. All I'm doing just, you know, filling out um, reports and graphs and truckers. I just sometimes don't know who are these people in front of me. So I think the amount of paperwork needs to go. It's not giving anybody um, any favour. It's not doing anybody any favour. Yeah, and I, I agree. And from the kind of um, teachers that we talk to on a daily basis through, through our education agency it's a it's a huge a huge reason why a lot of really good teachers choose to do sort of really long-term agency work exactly because of that because there isn't as much um isn't as much paperwork and it's kind of like the classic um playing to people's strengths isn't it i think um someone who's an amazing teacher isn't necessarily the best at paperwork just like um i'd like to think that i'm pretty good at my job but I'm not the best administrator so it's a very very similar thing and just like a pupil could be an amazing sports person within the school but not great at English and, and math and like, like you say bring out those strengths in those amazing teachers that are brilliant at teaching but not so rather than penalizing them because they're not so good at doing all the the, the paperwork so yeah, I completely agree something um I just wanted to touch on there because you talked a bit about the partnerships in schools between parents and something I really was talking I've spoken to a lot of head teachers about this over the last eight months and I really feel for those primary pupils that started primary school in September and sec secondary school pupils that started secondary school more so like I can only talk from the UK experience because because of COVID they didn't have that same like the same interaction as like the, 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 the crossover so the I know in the UK there's been so many, so much talking about the levels of anxiety and things between amongst secondary pupils because it's a daunting like experience going from primary school to secondary school. And I'm like, whoa, this is. I remember going to secondary school in in Dubai my first day. My older brother went there. I was petrified because number one, I was scared that this this academically is gonna. I'm 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 gonna struggle here. I, I know I am, and I knew that from day one. But because my big brother was there, it was like a safety, safety blanket. Uh, but yeah, the, the kind of the, the worries that must have been there for this year's kind of cohort of both the new primary and secondary must have been massive. Um, so yeah, the, like partnership, I think partnerships in, in everything we do and like community, something else you touched on. One of the reasons for starting this podcast, you know, I want to create a, a little community within the within the sector because I think it's so important and the last eight months have shown that having a solid network around you is so important because you just never know what's around the corner and having people to talk to is, is massive senior leaders I talk to even now who I think are slowly starting to come around that they need to give themselves time to to talk to others because when you're um, leading it's so hard isn't it because you're you're constantly thinking about looking after your team and, and, and below actually you forget about number one and if number one's not working properly it kind of you can't lead can you so yeah I, th I think having a community and partnerships around you is, is so important and um on the um kind of last eight months have you have you noticed kind of um 
things changing within that transition period and the pupils and staff that you work with since kind of COVID's been around? Indeed, there's a big shift. Um, <clears throat> and, I, and I don't like it. <laughs> and I, of course, I don't like it because um, it's very different here in Dubai. Um, you, you know, we're very much um, supposed to be exercising the social distancing. So you can imagine, you know, in the early years, particularly hard how can you tell a three-year-old please can you stay away two meters you know what's two meters because we you know take away the element of what um, children at that age um, know and how they learn it's through that social environment that you really need to sponge it up so things have changed significantly and um, you know pretty much we just all want it to go away and go back to you know what not so much what we used to do before, because we have learned huge amount um, from all this experience. You know, as you were saying about the partnership, who would have knew that we can actually Zoom people, um, you know, to their households and just to have a chat. Nobody needs to leave. Nobody needs to be stressed in a traffic. And you know what's it like in Dubai to go from A to B. So I think that's really, really beautiful. And I really see a lot of um, innovative ideas coming through. So because I always talk about home visits, understanding the cultural um, context of families. You know how you know, multicultural we are over here. So um, it's lovely to um, hear that teachers are really taking the plunge and they do arrange meetings with mums and dads in the child's bedroom and the child is just showing everything around, every single toy. I think that's amazing. It's amazing. But I think there is also lots of exhaustion, David. People are just tired, really, really tired. And um, I don't think that there is at the moment that opportunity to recuperate. So I think we need to kind of take a bit of a step back and take a pause and just um, take a deep breath and, um, you know, move forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I would love to have just more excitement because, you know, as you were saying, you want your children to come back from school excited, completely just rejuvenated. Oh, I want to carry on what I have just learned. How often do you get that? Mm. Hardly ever. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. And I think um, pupils pick up on it, don't they? Just like in a home life, if pupils pick up on parents' behaviours and like classic behaviours communicating. So pupils pupils pick up on on teachers, don't they? So yeah, I completely, completely agree. Um, something interesting they've announced in the UK, actually, I think it was earlier this week, that there's talk of school closing on the Thursday. So giving the schools an extra day on the Friday, on the, Friday the 18th, but then they lose a, they lose a, uh, CPD day later in the year and you know like some of the special schools that I work with, like, we can't lose a, a training day because there's so much CPD we have to do but the, sometimes they, they announce these things and you know they like in, especially in the UK they announce these kind of changes and I, I feel for, I feel for school so much and I do hope um, once we kind of get some progress in where we are and hopefully in the UK the vaccine is a real step forward and things start to get back to normality I hope further down the line people remember what schools have done to stay open even even now you see little cracks in things online with people really quickly forgetting about teachers aren't just teachers teachers are parents teachers are grandparents teachers are carers to ill parents to you know but people forget that don't they it's like yeah, they're teachers that's that's all they do it's all about teaching but they've got their lives outside of education and I do hope that 
post-COVID, people remember that and just kind of appreciate the work that's been done in, especially in the UK, to keep schools going. Like they are so stretched beyond beyond belief, and I, I do hope it continues to kind of get the appreciation it does. Something that pleases me is, you know, through various platforms, LinkedIn and Twitter and education-wise, there's a lot of people now talking about needing to look about how we're educating people and getting that engagement from all sorts of pupils and you know the levels of exclusion throughout the UK over the last few years have been too high you know and like I think this year so much more is being done intervention wise within especially within primary schools I've noticed it so much more is being done to hold people in a primary school and actually rather than taking that young person out let's let's put someone with that young person and actually try and keep them in that school because the level of rejection when a young person is excluded is must be like shocking when they've already probably gone through some some trauma at some point sometime a lot of the time so yeah something I, I really hope um, that a lot more kind of intervention work is done to make education more inclusive for, for everyone and I know you touched on it there about special education and earlier when we spoke and you know, it's um, I'd I'd like to see it more, and I'd 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 love to, like you say, just keep kind of hoping that more and more teachers get that spark spark about teaching, and more youngsters enjoy education. Because looking back, I wish I had done. I, I really, really do. I'm like wish that something had a spark to me to go on. I, I really enjoy this because you can't you can get a lot of time back, can't you? Work personal life but you can't get that those school years once they're done they're done and it's so so important to to get it right i think um but i think you've got that spark back so that is um, something to hold on to <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely and yeah i you know you mentioned that um you think secondary teachers could take a bit from primary teachers i also think that i also think that mainstream could take a bit from special and alternative like it's so hard because so hard that goes in line with really my theory that um perhaps our teacher training needs to go in a different direction i'll give you an example you've enjoyed maps okay so i'll give you some statistics so out of the world population about eight percent of children will be dyslexic okay about anywhere 10 to 20 percent because obviously we are able to diagnose more more um children will be on autism spectrum disorder then you add five percent up to eight percent of dyscalculia dyspraxia then you have got some other challenges in terms of you know behaviors um then you've got some disabilities and when you add all these numbers up i always say to my students who is normal mm. so why are we talking about normal if that doesn't really exist. And if you really go into the brain structure of every person's brain, and I'm really passionate at the moment about neuroscience, then we are so different, aren't we? In terms of our um, you know, personal makeup of our brain. So why do we always need to think that things need to be done a certain way? And from my own practice, I have learned so much from these children that they showed me how to enjoy time a little bit more. I mean, I don't know about you, but how long can you look at, for example, color? I mean, these children can look at the color from so many angles and they are finding it fascinating. I mean, to me, it's beautiful. And I think that we just got so much to learn from them. Um, but David, you know, our society has been um, created by 
neurotypicals, right? So, you know, that needs to change. Mm. That needs to change. That we need to be thinking differently um, about every single child, how they can contribute. And everybody does. Everybody contributes. Everybody participates. We just need to find the way how to together not us thinking about them but really together because they need to uh, they need to say just recently i've spoken to somebody from canada um, and he's got lots of experiences with um, raising actually two children on autism spectrum disorder and we were just talking about um the importance of child's advocacy so i was asking so how does it work in our canada and of course it's just only his an opinion but oh yeah you know parents are making decisions on behalf of the children and i was quite surprised about that because we need to ask the children, don't we, what they want and how they do want things. To me, that's absolutely fundamental. Um, so, um, yeah, children, children, and questioning them, um, that's, that's the way forward in our education. Um, think about it, planning, okay? I have teachers over here all the time just going crazy about planning. And I always say in the earliest, what do you exactly plan for? How can you even plan in earliest? It just happens. I mean, you have got three-year-old. Tell me how, you know, military, you know, really kind of regimented is your day when you have got is your little girl, right? It yeah. doesn't happen that way. So why are we wasting time with things like that? It's absolutely, absolute nonsense. You, if you want to write about it, what you've done, please do. But just enjoy it because you just want to be in that moment with those children, don't you? And that spark is going to stay. I wanted to give you a um, kind of something that I have experienced. In the school where I, I taught, um, I had a fabulous colleague, really looked up to her, really, she inspired me. So one day, because we were sharing um, our doors with each other, I hear music. So my classroom was really um, curious what's happening next door. Here she was with an eye patch, music blaring from um, Pirates of the Caribbean. She had, I don't know what she used as a sword. She was on the tables, children with her, three to four year olds. This is learning. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you will never forget that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my um, my three year old plans, plans my day when she's, yeah, when I've been working from home. Yeah, she, she plans my day, it's as simple as that. <laughs> like, it's my, I, can't, I can't plan her day. Um, yeah, I think um, what's, and I think looking at since um, since starting this this podcast, I think I've I've learned so much about what goes on behind the scenes, um, whilst recording and also before recording, and that was one of the reasons I wanted to start this, just to like take what I speak about with people and let other people know. But something that time and time and time and time and time and time again is kind of resonating with me is that everyone I speak to who works in education says the same things in the sense that we need to look we need to look at how things are and has again I love educate I love what teachers do I don't have any kind of never even if my, my some of my teachers if they were to listen to this probably would disagree but I never held any teacher responsible for me not learning because a teacher is just following how they're told to be taught Yes, sometimes they'll put their own spin on it, but they're just following a process. Like everyone else in a in a workplace, you're following a process. But everyone I speak to has the view that that process needs to change slightly. So then at what point is someone at the top or whoever it is, go, actually, there's enough people talking about this. Maybe we do look at it. And Finland, I think, the other couple of weeks ago, they 
they've dropped core is it Finland they dropped core subjects um, and they're like um, things of like 20, 2020 the way people leave school and earn a living is different to 1980 but has has the way that things are delivered like my mom's been a teacher for 40 50 years um, she might tell me off if this is not as long as that but 40 50 years and I'd be interested to kind of speak to her and say when the day you qualify teaching how much has changed from the way you deliver teaching to now mm. I could be wrong but I don't think it's probably that much mm. and that's like how much has changed from the day you went to get a job to now how's it changed an absolute everything's changed and like the way you get a job the way you find a job the way you like it so much has changed so yeah I'm I don't know maybe sometimes I record these podcasts and feel like I'm kind of trying to change the world and I, I, I don't know you are. Just, you yeah. are. You are. I actually day sorry I maybe I shouldn't have said that please edit it afterwards you should consider actually teaching because you would understand you would know exactly what doesn't work because you knew you experienced it that's an idea yeah yeah um yeah <laughs> but it's that whole for me again it's straight away you, you said and i speak to loads of i've got quite a lot of head teachers who i speak to who struggle through education and have really battled to get become qualified i even now you know if, if someone said to me go and learn about go and become qualified in something the thought of um studying and the academic side scares me even even in a, a topic that i really enjoy because i struggle to get my head into learning about something from a textbook or studying and then sitting an exam i i happily admit even a topic that i really enjoy is it's it's a battle whereas if i um go and learn it if i go and do it physically and teach from someone who's stand side by side by someone and learn it that way i'm pretty confident that i can probably nail quite a few things but yeah that's something that's always funny if my mom always said to me about going into teaching when I was younger and I just the, the academic side of it just I, I'll happily admit I just I just didn't didn't want to, to tackle and I know that's probably to, to a lot that will seem like a an easy way out but I also know that I'm a massive believer again in doing talking what we we're doing at the beginning is I know what my strengths are and probably not till later in life, I've kind of accepted that my strength is creating something, i.e. my own business. And again, I did it when I was younger, went back to working for someone. But now, like eight months ago, I thought, why am I doing this? I'm not I'm not happy. I'm not enjoying it. So let's just create my own. Like, brilliant. So that's kind of probably why I, I didn't kind of look into the teaching route because of the academic side of it, which I know to a lot that will sound like a bit of an easier way out. But um I'm happy. exactly we have got the idea of studying only um we link it all the time with textbooks well learning does not just happen from book to your brain does it and i think that that's something that we really need to um rethink no nobody likes to be reading long long text i don't like it and nobody does so why are we doing it you know, um, how much um, we learn from each other just from this conversation, you know, project-based type of learning, that's the way to go forward um, in terms of, um, you know, really spark the interests of children. So 
I think that kind of linguistic type of brain that our style of education still really um, prefers, that needs to be um, kind of put a little bit to the sideline because look Dave, every time when I have mature students, because I teach now um, adults, I ask them, so how do you learn? How do you learn the best? And they all tell me, oh, I like to do this. I like to do that. Nobody tells me I like to take a book and read. Not a one student told me that they like to read the text and then memorize it and afterwards write about it. Absolutely not. Everybody likes a practical approach to learning. So, you know, mm. debates, um, arguing, discussing, and, and that's huge. Mm. Yeah, my, my thoughts on the kind of like, the whole the whole kind of like exam process was you know like i i'm having this conversation with i can't remember which one of my my brothers it was who both did fantastic at, throughout their education and you know if you the way education in my opinion is kind of in a lot of play in a lot of places if you can read something and memorize it you can then go and do an exam and be really good at it but does that mean like you you know it or fast forward two or three years you're going to be able to talk or teach or, or put that into practice no I, I don't think it does I think it and again like happily admit I can't read something and just absorb it absorb it absorb it so from my point of view that's that's really all through my education I I was fearful of right at the end of this and I was almost like no matter how much I kind of think I'm going to do at the end of this I've got an exam I'm not I'm not going to do well in that exam so kind of like what's what's the point that that was my thought process as a as a youngster um but yeah and yeah so and I know things have probably probably changed so much in the sense that there's a lot more kind of like assessments through through schools than than they used to be and there is more much more kind of different ways of doing things and you know on the exam point of view in the UK you know they still I don't think I've made that call about the exams in at the end of this year which just they need to make it they need to let schools know what they what they need to be doing because chopping and changing is just just so damaging isn't it um cool well Pavla, I have to be honest it feels like I've kind of like it's become a bit of like a story a story about um my, my, my experience <laughs> yeah which um yeah, I hadn't, but, I hadn't. Don't you think that people should know this, you know, because who is behind this podcast? You know, lots of people don't really um, give that much away. And I don't know why, but I always, it always happens with me because I like the dialogue. I am not a person who likes the monologue. So, you know, I, I think that you still got something to work with. And why not? Why do you feel that you are not qualified to talk about education? You've experienced it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you experience it through your own children. And if anything, you have experienced it. Sorry, I'm going to use a big word now. Um, I think it was your colleague that spoke, has spoken to Mine Konjabaya. I really love that woman. Um, you know, trauma. Yes, children do experience trauma in a way if the education is not quite right, um, you know, tailored to, to their needs. So I think you should not really edit yourself out that much because I think you've got a voice. You better exercise it. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that whole kind of trauma thing as well, isn't it? It's people, so many people see trauma as like something really, something really terrible, really okay. terrible. And actually the slightest, the slightest little thing, you know, can, can have a lasting effect. I've got a, um, a friend of mine actually that I've had a conversation with a little while ago and um, around children. And it's amazing how things through your own childhood that when you then have a childhood, it, it, 
you start to think, actually, I've always been a bit wary or a bit kind of unsure about things because of things that went on in my childhood. And they don't always have to be like before I started working in the sector, if someone had said I've been through trauma, I would have thought a, a serious car crash or some form of serious yeah. abuse. I wouldn't have thought about how disliking the way education was would have a lasting effect on me maybe holding myself back from doing certain things because oh, I'm not going to do that because I know I'm not going to do I know there's going to be an exam at the end or whatever it is and like trauma has such an effect doesn't it and they can be the slightest little thing even in like adult life can just kind of re reignite something in 5 10 15 whatever years and yeah, I think that's a fascinating, fascinating topic, to be honest, um, the effects of trauma, but maybe one for a, a different day. Um, <laughs> cool. Um, it's been a, a, an absolute pleasure talking to you. Like I say, thanks for, uh, I suppose, getting me to express a bit more about myself and hopefully give people listening a, a bit of a snapshot of me. One thing I want to like, uh, like I, we haven't really touched on it, but to me, kind of, Dubai has always always has and always will be a really special place because of having a great great childhood there having family that still live there anyone who's possibly thinking who's listening to this podcast wherever they're based thinking oh i'm really interested about working in dubai what sort of advice would you give them bring big perspective with you that's all you need big perspective because certainly where you are moving to, it's not going to be your little town or little village. And that perspective is going to really, really help. So, um, and just enjoy it. Enjoy what, um, you know, this region really has got to offer um, because it is fast paced. I mean, at the time where you were here, perhaps not as much, but it is very fast paced uh, place definitely now. Um, so just bring that huge perspective and learn from the people around you because it's incredible how we can absorb um, from the community, from that multicultural um, community around us. It's beautiful. Absolutely. And like, I'd, I'd champion anyone who's interested to, to really go for it because I think it's yeah a, a great place. But Pavla, thanks for, thanks for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure in talking to you. Um, I'd, I'd quite like to pencil in another chat for further down the line. Um, I hope you have an absolutely amazing, amazing Christmas break. Have some great time with the family. And yeah, I wish you all the best. Me too. Thank you. Thank you.